Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we react to Gene Smith's press conference. We review the commitment of Ohio's number one 2023 recruit, Luke Montgomery. Plus, we rank Ryan Day's current staff from least to most important. Also, Eric interviews listener Sammy Poston. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans. Where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from chilly Ohio as I enjoyed the sunny shores of Clearwater, uh, Florida, down there near Tampa, guys, for the last week. Thank you for filling in for me last week. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Brown, and the wild man himself, Chris Wilds. How's it going tonight, Aaron? It's going, man. This weather's really starting to come on down here. I know you're <laughs> you got a little bit of it over there in Florida, but yeah. Yeah. It was nice, Chris. And uh, the last week for you probably uh not so hot, huh? Right now the two of you are my least favorite people. <laughs> hey man, I'm back in I'm back in the bunker with yeah, you, Chris. Well, well, but, first, but first of all, Eric, how are you saying how chilly it was here? It was a gorgeous day. For a February in Central Ohio, I mean, we hit almost 50 degrees. It was. I'm chilly, out there man. peddling the cookies. We didn't have to even put up the tent today, Eric. It was <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. We didn't have to have the tent to protect us from the wind and the snow. I'm telling you, it was a great day out there today. It's going to be a great day tomorrow for those people who are off for President's Day. I'm not included in that group, but you know, my wife and kids are. They get to enjoy another good one before I hear we're. Uh, gonna get another snowstorm here come thursday yeah i get to enjoy some other white stuff but it does this stuff ain't sad if you're not satisfied with pickup games and unrigged matches chances are you're aiming higher than most 
Aspire, you'll train to be the best, whether you're drawn to the pool, track, map, basketball, court, or gaming controller. We provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. That's Spire, S-P-I-R-E. Gene Smith met with the media this past week. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about with here with this because as Buckeye fans, we're not all pleased with what Gene said. I and I can come and I can try to read between the lines and I can try to give you some of the rumors of what is happening behind the scenes here as to why Gene answered some of the questions he did. But I'm going to turn this over to Aaron and Chris first and let them kind of give their two cents on what they felt and saw from that and kind of. Maybe something they want to respond to. So I'll start with you first, Mr. Wildman. Gene Smith's interview. What do you want to talk about here? What do you want to respond with? Uh, what topic did he bring out that you want to talk about? Eric, for me, it's got to be, you know, I, I am just absolutely furious with this guy. He comes out and says he would not want a home game if the CFP was expanded. He would not want a a game at Ohio Stadium during playoff season because the bad weather wouldn't be fair to the teams. Come on, are you serious? He wants to move us to Indianapolis. I mean, yeah, it's our home away from home. I love it. We love Indianapolis. We always play well there. But come on, to deprive the fans of a home playoff game is just absurd. Not to mention to deprive the university and the city of Columbus of those dollars that would come in that would be generated by an additional home game, especially one of a playoff magnitude. He's off his rocker. Aaron, would you like to respond to Chris's opening argument here? Yes, yes. I would like to add to it, actually, because (laughs) for him to say that it's not fair to the teams, like, is he on crack? That's the point of a home game, dummy. Like, what do you – oh, <laughs> that gives me a headache. Like, that's the point of a home game. It gives you the advantage. You're playing the whole season the best way you can to get a home spot in the first, second, however rounds it works. I don't know what structure they're going with, but at least the first round, right? That's why you do that, to play to your advantage. Just like seeding in playoffs, like it, it just that's so idiotic, <laughs> not fair. Yeah, let's not play. Let's let's take the NFL and let's move all the, the the games out of Cleveland and Buffalo and New England because the weather might not be fair to the other teams. Come on. Now he did cite here. I'm going to do a little pushback, guys. I mean, just to be clear, I'm on your side, but let me play devil's advocate and give you a little pushback. He did cite his reasoning behind that as also because he felt that Ohio State should have the option. It wouldn't be, you know, they should have the option if they wanted to. And he then said he would rather CJ in this offense play on a fast track. So let me say this. What if we were to go up against, say, a Washington who plays in a cold climate? Or maybe an uh, an ACC team who plays in the North, like Pittsburgh in the first round or something like that, and advantage Ohio State in Indy on the fast track. Would you then be against it, Chris? 
I am completely against giving away the home game. Yes, I understand what you're saying. And yes, odds are if it, the weather is crappy and you got another team in there, yeah, it's, especially when it's north, used to play in a northern climate, yeah, maybe it diminishes that that advantage a little bit. But you know what? We are the Ohio State University. We are supposed to be recruiting at the, the players at a level, coaching at a level, and playing at a level that should be able to overcome whoever we face in that first round of an extended playoff if we have that game at home. I don't think that that flies. Yes, the offense would perform maybe at a higher level, but you know what? We should be good enough to get it done either way. Aaron, you want to respond to my devil's advocate here, taking the other side of the argument for just the, that 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 aspect of it? Well, to be – I mean, I guess a team that's maybe you know acclimated to that type of climate as well – I see the point. Okay, I, I get it. Fast track. They think we're faster than everybody. I, you know, I, I understand. But I, Chris brought up an economical standpoint, keeping the money in Ohio. Let's not make the fans travel again, because chances are we'll have played in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game, and then we're going to have to go back a week, two weeks, whatever later to play in there again. A lot of fans aren't going to be able to do that. Keep the money in Ohio, allow the 100,000-plus fans to fill the stadium that we already have, and make that be a factor. Because a neutral site, even if they do distribute tickets, you know, way more toward Ohio State's favor, I just, I don't, there's not as, Lucas doesn't hold 100,000 people. No, it doesn't. Columbus does. Let's keep it in Columbus. All right, uh, Aaron, why don't you give me something else from this uh, press conference that you would like to respond to? Yeah, I, you know, he said he didn't feel the need to restructure Ryan Day's contract, and maybe it doesn't need restructuring, but I say hashtag pay the man. I mean, he just, look what he's done, you know, and before the show, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Uh, Chris brought up uh, Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker. I mean, yeah, Harbaugh made the playoff once. You know what I mean? On one good year, but he's been trash otherwise. He is high paid. Mel Tucker didn't really do anything special. He managed to get one running back that did everything, and uh, he didn't even do crap against us. And then he didn't even play in the bowl game. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, these guys are getting contracts and big money, and, and it, Ryan Day is has been one of the most consistent recruiters uh, he picked up right where Urban Meyer left off and then raised the bar a little bit in recruiting. The offense has been breaking records, uh, you know, even though we disagree at times on how he does things and play calling at times. It's worked for him. What, three losses in three years, four losses in three years, something and one loss to Michigan. I'm not upset about it because we understand the circumstances, whatever. But regardless, hashtag pay the man. No, I agree. I disagree. And I, let me tell you why. No contract should ever be extended or awarded to a coach after losing to Michigan. Period. So forget everything else, all the other no, success I'm, I'm not forget. I'm not forgetting everything else. I'm saying this. You want paid? Here's your motivation. Go out and beat Michigan. Which he's done twice. Uh, Once. Uh, we didn't play. We didn't play two years ago. 
Remember they avoided. Well, okay, okay, but so I, I guess and, I'm. He's one and one as a head coach. Now as a, as a offensive coordinator, uh, yeah, he was two and zero. Oh, so he's since I, being at Ohio State, he's three and one. But I'm I'm pushing back on you on that because I think that that is that has got to be in that contract that you have to beat Michigan more times than not, and as, and that's something as we as Ohio State fans expect. Now here's the other aspect to this, Aaron, and I think you will agree with me on this. I do believe Gene Smith and Ryan Day have talked about him and his money and his contract. And I also believe Ryan Day is the type of guy who says, okay, where where are we as an athletic department on a whole because of COVID year? I know it hurt us. Where are we? And and and, and, and if me not getting a contract, a couple extra million dollars, how is that going to help you pay everybody else? Plus, I want more money to get the best defensive coordinator I possibly can get. And I think those conversations that happened behind closed doors absolutely took place. And I think you would agree with me that if Ryan Day looked at those the, the big picture with Gene Smith, he probably said, I would rather keep what I've got and that extra million you give me. Let me go hire someone that I know is going to fix this defense. Do you agree? No, I, I definitely agree with that. I no question so. about it. Yeah, it's that's that's a no brainer. You got to pay your staff. And then if you want the best, you're going to have to bring some cash with it. So uh, that's that's fair. I just feel like, you know, for what he's done, 6239. You remember uh, the show that we had after that, Eric? Oh, yeah. You said a lot more had to do with him than Ryan Day than yes. it did Urban Meyer. I, and and I, I still believe that. <laughs> I, I do too, 100%. That's 62 points. Like Urban Meyer liked to score, but I don't know that he would have done that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would not be shocked if Ryan Day initiated the conversation with Gene Smith that said, "You look, don't even talk to me about a contract until next year because I'm, I'm going to go out and beat these guys again. I'm with it. I like I, it. That's the type of guy Ryan Day is. I agree. And here's, and here's the other thing, guys. His older son is actually a baller, dude. And he is not going to drag him all over the country when that young boy's in a very good school district that you know all about, uh, Aaron. There yes, I do. Tangy, and he's getting good coaching, and he's going to be someone in a couple years. And he's that he's, he's either going to be a Division One college quarterback or he's going to be uh, – uh, possibly in the minor leagues in baseball because the young the young lad is a heck of a baseball player too. Which so, high school does he go to? I want to say it is either uh, Liberty or the original. It's not Orange, I know that, and it's not Berlin. So it's it's either. I'd have to look. I, my my wife could tell me. I could probably yell down to her because she would know because she works for the school district, but. Okay. It's either it's either uh, Olentangy High School or Liberty, one of the two. I know there was a period of time where a lot of the the better athletes in the district were going to Liberty, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he's at because they still have Steve Hale as head coach uh, for football. I don't know about baseball anymore, but he was there. He started the football program when the school first opened in 2003, and he's been a consistent level dude as far as I know all this time. He's been patient. He's a good coach, man, I'm telling you. By the way, Lucas Oil Stadium capacity sixty seven thousand. Yeah, so, keep it at home, son. Yeah, much less. <laughs> uh, Chris, you want to respond to this little back and forth, Aaron? Of how Aaron and I have had about the contracts. Yeah, you know what, Eric? I, I agree with points from both of you. 
I do think Aaron is right. The guy needs paid. He's had success. He's he's had a great deal of success. Yes, we lost to Michigan this past season, and yes, that stinks. But you know what? We're on a one out of every ten year cycle with them right now. Uh, you know, if he and maybe it is what you said. Maybe he did approach Gene Smith, and if that's the case, hey, I'm a hundred percent for it. It makes sense. You know, Brady used to do it with the Patriots, give that little discount, the home team discount, so he could go out and have better players surrounding him. If that's what Day did, God love him. I appreciate it. If he's looking out for the university again, I appreciate it. But at the same time, I just fear losing this guy because I really, really see the impact he's had on recruiting, which, you know, you guys said he picked up right where Myers left off. I would contend that, you know, I think Aaron may have mentioned it, he took it to the next level. And a lot of that does have to do with the assistance he's got surrounding him, obviously. Uh, but you know what? I, I think he definitely, at least by the end of this season, needs to have that restructuring done. He needs to be extended. He needs to get his pay raise because there's no reason that he should be making less than hairball up in Michigan, who, let's face it, is a worse coach than he was a quarterback. And Mel Tucker, it just it shouldn't be happening. All right, let's talk about a couple more things here real quick, kind of rapid fire things. Um, the talk about restructuring the Big Ten and going to non-divisions or possibly restructuring the divisions, it sounds like, is something that the athletic directors, along with Karen Warren, have been discussing and will make a decision on in May of this year. So about five months from now, or uh, actually about three months from now, we're going to learn um, – What's going to be happening in the future with the Big Ten and these divisions? Are we going to go to a divisionless uh, nine-game schedule, eight-game schedule? He sounded like he wants to stay at nine games. Also, he basically said that the alliance is going to have nothing to do with his scheduling because he likes how he schedules, which I thought was the first time we've seen Gene Smith push back on the narrative that the Big Ten is we're all in this together type of thing. I think back during the pandemic when they wanted to cancel the 2021 season and Ohio State wanted to play and no one else did, I think Gene Smith basically said, hey, we need to start pushing our weight. We're the big dog here on campus when it comes to the Big Ten. Your guys are going to have to start coming our way on things. It's not always us coming your way and dragging us along. I, I kind of got that vibe from him a little bit. Chris, what did you think about all of this alliance talk? Yeah, you know, I agree with you. There was definitely some, I don't know if I'd call it pushback, but there's definitely some dissension there versus where I think a lot of these other teams stand. Myself, I love the idea of restructuring the divisions and keeping the divisions. Uh, but, but you know, yeah, I think we've earned it. As, as Ohio State, we have earned this. You know, Penn State shows up every now and then. Michigan shows up every now and then. Ohio State is the constant. We are what drives this this conference, just like Alabama is what drives the SEC. And we should be getting that. We we are the big dogs, and they do need to take notice. I mean, like you said, it was us. It was us in Nebraska. Those are the only teams that wanted to play. And I think that pandemic season drove a major wedge uh, between ourselves and the conference. 
Yeah, sure, sure feels that way, doesn't it? Aaron, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris 100%. Um, I, I, I kind of liked how he said what he said. You know, he said, as and I quote, I personally don't have a preference. I'm okay with losing divisions, but I'm interested in seeing the models first. That I don't know. To me, that kind of came at came out as a little bit of pushback, saying I don't really care what happens. We're gonna beat you guys anyway. That's that's kind of <laughs> how I interpreted it. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm off, but yeah. that's I like that. You know what I mean? It's and you're right, Eric. It's it's we're the big dogs. You better start coming to us a little bit more for for <laughs> consultation on what's gonna happen moving forward, because we are the cash cow. Yeah, that, that that's the reality. Well, of it. I think Gene's worried about if we go to an eight game schedule and then we have to play one Pac-12 and one ACC every year. What's going to happen is once a year we're going to be toted to some team out there where they know we're going to get a big payday because Ohio State's coming. So he doesn't want to say, look, I don't want my power five game non-conference games to be Oregon State on the road, you know, one year and then maybe like. Syracuse on the road the next year, you know, like he's like, it does nothing for us in the grand scheme of things. But so, do you think Eric, that maybe the, the way they, they structure it is going to be based on who the schools are to some extent. Do you think that if it's an ACC game, that Ohio state's going more likely to face a Clemson or a Pittsburgh, I mean, uh, or a Virginia tech if, versus y- yes. If it was just with one other conference, but you, when you throw three conferences into this at the end of the day, what do the conference commissioners want to do? They want to make money, man. That's what they're there for to make money for the schools. And Ohio state's going to bring the money regardless who we play. That's the, uh, you know, right. Absolutely. But some of these other little, these other schools, man, to have an Ohio state come to town, that's a huge payday for them. They're going to jack ticket prices up just because they know we're all going to go to the games. So I see, I think uh, in reality, what we're going to see, you're not probably going to see Ohio state and Clemson. I think you're going to see like the big dogs. You're going to see Ohio state, Clemson, USC, UCLA, you're going to see those teams play the more mid-tier of their opposing conferences. I think you're going to see like – avoid each other to prevent a loss. Exactly, exactly. I think you're going to see like USC against, uh, I don't know, Minnesota. Purdue. Yeah, <laughs> Purdue. Yeah, something who like that. Who would watch that crap? <laughs> I, it's probably – who knows, dude? Who knows? Well, us three would. But <laughs> I was going to say I think I would just to see Mo yeah. Ibrahim run all over him. But, hey, that's yeah. – you know, us, us three and the rest of the people who listen to this podcast. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, I uh, – it's – I it, you're in a you're in a no win situation in a lot of ways. And so Gene Smith, I think, is really trying to say, yeah, we're part of the Big Ten. Yeah, we're part of the alliance, but you're not going to tell us what to do. I think that's exactly what that meant. Now, if they do restructure divisions, you know, and they keep the division thing, don't be surprised if they don't break up Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State and Michigan State, meaning and they should. Meaning one division will have Ohio State, Michigan. The other one will have Penn State, Michigan State. One division will have Iowa. The other division will have uh, Wisconsin. You know, like they're going to try to make the playing field very, very level. They'll probably split up Maryland and Rutgers into two divisions. And so it doesn't hurt us as Ohio State because we're so centrally located. Who it does hurt in a lot of ways would be the, the schools on the ends. So Maryland and Rutgers, and then you have 
all the way on the other end, Nebraska and Iowa and Minnesota. So, you know, those schools, you know, that to have to travel to Rutgers every other year or, you know, Maryland every other year, if you're all the way out in Nebraska, that that that's what the whole divisions being based off of location geographically was supposed to help to avoid. But we're at a place now where these guys are all flying planes anyway. So what's the big deal? You know what I mean? It it stinks for the fans, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I'd you know, rather you see oh, that. That's just, you, you mentioned Derek. Uh, you thought Ohio State and Michigan would go into one division. Do you not think that they'd want to put those guys in separate divisions? Nope. Because they they will they will want to keep Ohio State Michigan the final game of the year, which means okay. they, will, they would want to avoid Ohio State Michigan playing back to back. Okay. That is a concern because I do you think about this from the perspective of the other 12 teams in the Big Ten. They all know that's what would end up happening more times than not. Well, what I'm thinking is if you have Michigan and Penn State together, they alternate. <laughs> you know, yeah, but but they're never they're never going like Gene Smith will and and, and probably to a Ward Manual to a degree. The ADO up there at the team up north, they're never going to agree to not want to play that game at the end of the year. Right. Both fan bases would be go ballistic against these guys. So that's two votes right there out of the 14 that are going to be like, look, we're not doing that. And again, Ohio State and Michigan, you when when they agree on something, I don't care what the other 12 think about it, because Ohio State, we understand, is the, the big dog and Michigan is the next big dog in this conference. And so without those two. What are you going to do? Right. Nothing. So, Aaron, any thoughts on this before we move on here? No, I think you hit the nail on the head with all of that. All right. Uh, real quick, NIL. Uh, Gene Smith wants there to be federal mandates uh, placed on NIL because it's kind of like the wild, wild west out there. Aaron, what do you think about those thoughts? Uh, I, I mean, when you say federal mandates, are we talking laws or are we talking NCAA rules? We're talking laws from the federal because I, he said federal. He, I don't think Gene Smith has any confidence in the NCAA. I don't either, <laughs> to be honest. Look at all the other things they've screwed up. You know, I, 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 I feel that I do. Um, as far as like federal laws, I mean, these guys got to pay taxes on that money anyway, so let them earn. I mean, it is the Wild West, right. and I'll be honest, I know less than those guys do about it. So, I mean, it's it's just one of those things where we're gonna it's trial and error, I think, at this point because it is so new. We're not even 365 days into this thing. Like, right. we got to figure some things out. Now, Gene Gene is very supportive of NIL. He's very happy for the athletes. I, that's not what he's getting. I think what he's getting at is the how NIL is affecting recruiting and making an unlevel playing field for schools that are basically going out and saying, here's your NIL deal. If you come here, you know what I mean? Which is supposedly not supposed to happen, but because each state has different NIL laws, some States, you know, just are like, who cares? What are you going to do about it? Well, from, yeah, from that angle, I can understand, you know, like Jackson state, you know, Deion Sanders landing the number one recruit or number two, whatever he was. I mean, that's, it does even the playing field because, I mean, if those coaches, I mean, look at Eddie George, if he can if he can uh, manage to get some kind of relationship with a, a large donor or whatever, hey, more power to him. That's freedom. That's that's democracy. Let it happen. 
All right, there you go. That's pretty, uh, <coughs> pretty, uh, pretty self-explanatory. I, Kurt, dude, let me interject one more time. I'm sorry. Go for it. No, go for it. I, I think that the biggest thing here is situations like Quinn Ewers, okay, where he knows that he can't get money in high school, so he leaves early. Goes to Ohio State where he knows he's going to make big cash, and then he transfers after one year of not even playing. Barely, you know what I mean? I think that what needs more regulated is the free a- the free agency basically in college. That kind of thing there. Like I like the other rule where you get one free transfer, and then that's it. If you do it again, you got to sit out a year, and that does cost you a year of eligibility. I think that that would place a little more control on this whole thing instead of the carousel of college players that we get now every season. That is kind of what I think needs to be regulated more so than the NIL stuff. Gotcha. Chris, your thoughts here on NIL and Gene Smith before we move on? Well, if there's one thing I've got less confidence in than the NCAA, it's the U.S. Congress. (laughs) Here's the silence from the army guy there. He's thinking, I can't say crap right now. I can't. But, My hands are absolutely tied on but that. But you one. know, I mean, at the same time, I agree with where Aaron's coming from. I like the way he was thinking with the concept of the free agency aspect of it is the problem. Yeah, let these kids earn their money. And I do to a degree think it actually does do something to level the playing field. But you do have some states, particularly Texas, where it is the Wild West. I mean, if you look at what they did down at A&M, to quote quote, uh, Coach Petey Bell from Blue Chips, they got the best team money can buy. (laughs) Yeah, they really do. Dude, if you're going to tell me Texas A&M has more money than what Ohio State does – they don't, but the way they're the way they, the way they don't control it. So uh, Texas A and M literally came out, Aaron, and officially announced that if you join us, depending on your position, yes, group, you will you get will, this. You will contract. get these contracts, these NIL. Like what? They, there's like all they have to do is certain little like show up to certain things that yes. these that these boosters are a part of, but they're they're basically announcing to the world. Here is your contract if you come here. And that's not supposed to be how it works. But you know what? At the same time, I'm not going to – if if I was Texas A&M, if Ohio State was doing that, I'd be like, tough body luck. We're not breaking no rules. That's what I'm saying right there, dude. That's just good business. I mean that's that's – And it is, but we need to have – there needs to be some structure in place. But I agree with Aaron that it needs to be more in the area of the free agency control. Uh, what, what about the Purdue's of the world and the Minnesotas of the world, Aaron, who don't have huge boosters? You know, how are they supposed to compete against that? It's the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer, and and the whole aspect and the reason why this world is NFL crazy is the level playing field. Let's look at Major League Baseball for an instance. Nobody watches it anymore. Because it's the same dang six teams in the large markets every freaking year who buy up all the good players. Where the NFL, because of of a, a, a salary cap and the way the draft is structured, it, it you the literally the Bengals can go from two wins to the freaking Super Bowl. Okay. So okay, put a salary cap in place. 
Well, if we're going to talk about an NIL salary cap. (laughs) But listen, if we're going to talk about the the poor teams like Purdue and Minnesota, I don't think that we can do that anymore because, I mean, until recent, Texas A&M wasn't that good. They're still not that good. They got, you know what I mean? They have all these recruits. They were doing fine in recruiting before. Uh, Yeah, it took a jump now, of course, given everything we know. But there's still like a 2-3 loss team. And then if you want to talk about Minnesota and Purdue, well, Jackson State managed. You see what I mean? Like they managed to pull the number two recruit, and he's not the only one. There's been a few other high-name recruits that that committed there too. And you can say, well, it's because of Deion Sanders, and maybe that's true. But it forces these other teams like Minnesota and Purdue. They're going to have to step their game up. If they want to be Hire Deion Sanders. Well, if they want to be nationally competitive, they're going to have to make some moves. I agree, Aaron. I I, I absolutely agree with you. And it's kind of like when Ohio State hired Urban Meyer and the old gentleman's agreement about when a player commits to your school in the Big Ten that you no longer talk to him. And Urban's like, uh, I'm not a gentleman. I don't care. (laughs) He said, how about no? (laughs) He's like, yeah, (laughs) he literally went in and stole a player from Wisconsin. As soon as he got hired, <laughs> so I remember so, that. Yeah, remember that. It was, it was yeah, awesome. Brett had a meltdown. <laughs> first, he was pissed. So I, I I understand what you're saying, uh, completely, Aaron. I just think at this point, until until the either the NCAA gets stronger, or as Gene kind of put it, the Power Five conferences come together come together to level the playing field. It, it's it, the only the only entity that could step in to stop what is happening is the federal government. And until then, you know what? We got uh, we got to join the Texas A&M's. And I think that that's exactly what uh, the Schottenstein family and, and Cardell Jones are, are, are attempting to do to do. So we shall see how that affects recruiting in, well, the, in the coming year. I was going to ask you, what does Ohio have laws that Texas does not or something? Well, what we have in place is you're not allowed to speak to a recruit. The the college or university is not allowed to speak to the recruit about here's what NIL deals we can get you. They can't do that. Well, then they've tied their own hands, and they can't be mad at anybody but themselves when you see Texas A&M out here doing this. Technically, the NCAA said that's the rule. But the NCAA is not going so, – so what the argument is and what a lot of coaches and ADs are saying is that A&M broke the NCAA rule. But A&M's looking at looks at the rule says it's so vague. How did we really break it? And the NCAA is so dumb they don't even know how to read their own rule. So – Fair. Okay. Two, you know, it's two sides of the coin. It's not going to go – the NCAA is not going to go to uh, court with A&M over this. Well, then I'd, then I'd say to hell with the rules and do what they're doing. We got the I largest – we have the largest base uh, of graduates in the world. But like it, you and just, I know as soon as Ohio State did that, we'd get we'd get in trouble. Come on. That's fine, but then they'd have to pull Texas A&M down with them. And are they, if they won't take Texas A&M, are, are they going to take Ohio State and Texas A&M? I doubt it. I don't know. Chris, any last thoughts before we move on to Luke Montgomery? It's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. It really is. It's a mess. Thanks, NCAA, for being stupid. Yeah. All right. Luke Montgomery, the big lineman from Finley, Ohio, committed this past week. Guys, 
This was a big get. And I don't even not only say that because he's a big dude at 6'5", 270 pounds and a phenomenal offensive lineman. But I mean, this is the number one kid in the state of Ohio for the 2023 class. I will start with you first, Chris. Tell me about Luke Montgomery and what excites you about this young man. Well, you know, for me, Eric, it's all about potential. You mentioned he's he's currently ranked, what, 49th nationally, you know, first in the state of Ohio, fourth among the offensive tackles, good size at 6'5", 270, although he definitely can put some muscle onto that frame and, uh, you know, beef up a little bit. Uh, very athletic. I love the athleticism. He's, he plays basketball, uh, you know, so we he's going to have some good footwork. I mean, he's uh, started out as a tight end in school. He's played defensive line. Just really, really athletic. Uh, he's physically gifted, but I'll tell you, the big thing for me is his ceiling is just so high. I don't think since he's new to that offensive line position, I don't think we've really seen what he's completely capable of yet. You know, once he is completely coached up, gets in that body by Nick Prada, uh, you know, workout program, I think this guy is going to be huge. He's got going to have the size and strength to play the outside, but he's got that athleticism to where he could move inside if need be. So I, I think it's a huge get, obviously, Number one in the state of Ohio. You never want to let your top guys get out. And we sealed the deal with it. I'm excited for him. And and you know what? The other thing is, we had the Bosa brothers. Yeah, you know what? I'm thinking we might get a pair of Montgomery brothers. So that, that may not hurt either. Yeah, in case you didn't know, Luke's younger brother was the starting quarterback for Finley as a freshman this year. And many project him to be the best uh, quarterback in the country, if not, if not the best, one of the best when he graduates in what would be 2025. 25. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, keep your eye on that. But he did. His brother did say that Luke's decision has nothing to do with his. Um, what's interesting is I don't know that these guys were Ohio State fans necessarily. If you're unfamiliar with where Finley is located in the state yeah. of Ohio. It is exactly in the middle between Columbus and Ann Arbor, right off, right on 20, right 23 north there. To, what 23 yep. turns into 65 or something like that, or 15, I can't remember. 15. And then 15 and then 75 joins in with that. And right there is, is Tiffin or Finley, Ohio. And it's uh, it's where um, Pittsburgh's quarterback who just retired, Roethlisberger. Aaron, Ben Roethlisberger, went to high school. In fact, I ate at the restaurant where they have the Rothless Burger there. <laughs> so, Aaron, what do you what did you see from Luke Montgomery? Feel free to make fun of that terrible joke. That was a terrible joke, but I was going to ask how the burger was, but uh It was really good actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. Maybe I'll make it up there one of these years, who knows. Um Chris said quite a bit about him. I mean, it, watching his film, the dude is an athlete. And I was looking at his stuff on 247 Sports, you know, and it, it says that he just moved to O-line. I know Chris mentioned that he played tight end, but he also played H-back and fullback and then multiple defensive line spots as a sophomore. So he's smart and he's capable. Now, how does that translate? Well, it translates quite well, honestly. Uh, he is a big guy. He can fill out his frame a little more. And once he does, 
he's going to be a problem. Um, he's he's actually deceptively fast for his size. Uh, watching him play defense, like I I was I was actually surprised. Uh, he he didn't do anything that was like wow that's a five star defensive end right there. But just his size and his athleticism alone was impressive. Um, watching his film, he seeks violence. He's very aggressive. Like he could like the play could be called away from his side and he will find somebody to put his hands on. I I appreciate that a lot. Uh, Again, athletic. He finishes his blocks and he is very nasty. And I'll be this is kind of a side note that I noticed. Um, Those referees, I think, may be like vision impaired because there was numerous times throughout his film that I saw him grab a handful of jersey and just throw guys on the yeah. ground. Yeah, there was some holding there big time. There's a lot of holding. So lots of no calls on the film. And as impressive as it looks, if you're a head coach and you're watching that, you're just like, oh, there's a bad habit. We're going to have to break. But let's be honest. He's not going to be doing that to guys once he gets to this level of football. And I, I'm pretty sure he knows that. And I don't think it's going to be a tough habit to break quite frankly, the dude's smart. Uh, He was recruited by Kevin Wilson and Justin Fry. So I like that Justin Fry is getting his hands dirty on the recruiting trail. They said Justin Fry sealed the deal for him. There it is right there. He came in and closed it. Yeah. That that gave me a lot of, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a question we had a few weeks ago about his recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and honestly, the the fact that this kid was an H-back and a fullback, he played tight end, and he's a basketball player. He has tremendous footwork coming into this thing. It's just now perfecting it once he gets here uh, and works with Justin Fry and Kevin Wilson and whoever else. So I I don't know this dude here. Uh, depending on how things shake out, I could see him getting some playing time as a sophomore. If you guys remember a year ago, I think it was maybe even two years, but I think it was a year ago. Zen Mikowski, remember yeah, how yes. he moved from tight end to offensive line, and he came in late because he grew into his body late. Well, the same thing happened with Luke Montgomery, but it happened a lot earlier for him. So his development is an entire year or two ahead of what Zen Mikowski's was. And so the recruiting uh, spotlight was on him much quicker, which is why his ranking is as high as it is. Um, so I, I wanted to throw that out at you. The, 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 what I noticed from his film, his hands, he knows how to pass block and run block. He knows how to do both. And that's not something we typically see Aaron from high school linemen. Cause their high school team is usually run heavy or, or pass heavy. It looks like Finley likes to run run both. They run kind of a, a Ryan Day type of pro-style offense. Balanced. So, yeah, very balanced. So he, he, he's he got both those skill sets already, which is another reason why I think his ranking is as high as it is. I love his hand placement, especially when he's pass blocking. I love his aggression and his footwork in the, in the, in the run blocking game. I love how this team does a lot of screens. And he he literally is out there just blowing the life out of some linebacker or defensive back. Um, his speed is actually very good for his size, especially in defensive line. Like he's running plays down from the defensive line like he's a linebacker. So his athleticism, like you said, Chris, is through the roof. Um, he does have to get a little bit more bulky, I think. And I think body by Mick, like he said, is going to make a big aspect in that. He reminds me of Pat Elfline. He can play every spot on the line. He even was, there's some highlights where he's center. He's at guard. He's at tackle. 
he's learning every bit of that line, which is only going to benefit him, I think, when he gets to the next level of finding his niche and being getting on that offensive line quick. Um, he expects to play as a true freshman. I thought that was great confidence coming from him. I know offensive line is more of a development position, but you know what? Good for you. I love your confidence. Get in there and compete, young man. You know. And the last thing he does that I thought was very, very interesting, he knows how to play through the whistle, not to the whistle. <laughs> yes. yes. He will He will get people riled up because he hears the whistle, but he's going to finish that block anyways. And then, yep. <laughs> and then it's going to cause some issues. I love that one, Aaron, where he literally finishes the block. The other kids like get off me, throws like a punch, and then all the flags come in. And you know Luke went Luke went past the whistle there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I said, you know, he's like grabbing <laughs> he's grabbing kids by their jersey and just throwing them on the ground. It's I don't know. He does have some habits he's gonna have to break. I appreciate the nastiness and the aggression, but some of that's gonna have to get cleaned up a little bit. But other than that, Eric, you're a hundred percent right. Like I could see him playing guard too. Like he can do it. Yeah, he's got the yeah. speed. Oh, he's got great footwork. You're right. Um, okay, so here's the recruiting story on this, guys. So as, as you recall, this thing was coming down to the wire. It was going to be between Ohio State and Michigan, more than likely. USC kind of came in late, and apparently he has a uh, has a visit with USC in April. I don't know if he's going to go ahead and go on that or not. I mean, if I were him, I would. Who wouldn't want to go to California in April for a free vacation? I mean, come on. But he might not go on that. We'll, we'll see. But um, what happened was this thing was going to come down to Ohio State and Michigan. And Michigan's doofus of a head coach is playing tiddlywinks in Minnesota. And as you as we just talked about, Justin Fry is hired and makes that trip to Finley, Ohio, to close the door. There was an actual there was a time when Luke Montgomery was leaning Michigan guys. And I I gotta tell I gotta tell you, I think Jim Harbaugh screwed the pooch on this one. I think he could have won the number one crew in the state of Ohio, but his dumbness gets in the way and Ohio State's able to slam the door shut with Justin Fry's hire. Interesting well, you know, Eric, story, isn't it? He could have he could have sent one of his assistants if they had not quit. Yeah, he didn't even have anybody to send there. Well, I was going to say, you mean to tell me the guy that told his whole coaching staff to go on a, a, a what a, a vacation and figure out what's best for them on National Signing Day? That guy lost recruiting. I that's yep. that's ludicrous. I've that's no, that doesn't happen. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> what we'd be sitting here and talking about today if Luke Montgomery would have committed to that team up north, being the number one kid in the state of Ohio? <sighs> That would have been yeah. a rough show, fellas. That would yeah. have been a rough show. So, you know, we'll see how this pans out over the next year. But Luke Montgomery's coming in with a ton of a confidence. He's a very well-spoken, outspoken young man who feels like uh, like he, he's not just committing to Ohio State to commit. It sounds like he's going to be one of those kids who ends up being kind of like C.J. Hicks and starts recruiting other guys to Ohio State. So, we're excited for that. Like you said, he was number one in the state of Ohio, and uh, that brings o- Ohio State's commitments to the 2023 class to five now. He is the top-ranked commit. He's the only one in the top 100, top 50 at 49, knocking on the door of being a five-star, <clears throat> but currently at four, probably will stay at four. 
Um, Ohio State is ranked second in the Big Ten right now. Penn State is out recruiting us. They have four four stars and one five stars in the tank already with three three stars. So they have a total of 152.54 points on 247. Their average player ranking is 90.7. We have four four stars and one three star with a, a point ranking of 110 total. So we're behind them in total numbers there. But our average player ranking is higher at 92.8. So we have some room to, room to make up on Penn State in the Big Ten. Nationally, we are at seventh right now. Seventh. Uh, the notable teams ahead of us right now do include Penn State at four. Georgia is currently sitting at two. And the number one team right now recruiting in the country with nine commits that include two five-stars, seven four-stars, with an average player ranking of, believe it or not, 94.8. Notre Dame. What? Yeah. Wow. Shocker, right? Okay, they must so, be throwing a lot of money in that collection plate on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> they, they got a lot. Maybe. <laughs> hey, go on. So, uh, yeah, um, Freeman's doing a job, man. Marcus is over there in his first year, and, and I, I tell you, the Notre Dame fans are ecstatic. You go to the message boards, man, and the Irish are all over that, and they – they thought they were in the running for Luke Montgomery, but he he kind of narrowed it down to Ohio State and Michigan, sounds like. But you know who from Ohio they did grab? Big defensive lineman Brennan Vernon from Mentor. He is going to Notre Dame. Yeah. We talked about that a couple months ago. Let's look at Ohio's uh, big-time recruits real quick. So Luke Montgomery was number one. He's a Buckeye. Malik Hartford, a safety from Lakota West, Westchester, Ohio, and, and get used to that school name here in this year's recruiting. He's the number two. Uh, sounds like he's leaning towards Ohio State, but Cincinnati's in on that one. Uh, here's one for you. Linebacker from Ironton, Ohio. Yeah. Shouldn't that sound familiar to all you who follow recruiting? Ironton and a linebacker. Huh. Number three in the state, Trevor Carter, is going to be a Bearcat. He's committed to Cincinnati. Now, Ohio State really wasn't in on him, even though he's the third highest from Ohio. I'm not sure why. Brennan Vernon was number four. He's going to Notre Dame. Joshua, Joshua Padilla from Wayne down in Dayton. Um, he's an offensive lineman. He is ranked. Uh, he's already committed to Ohio State. Uh, I mentioned Lakota West. They have got a uh, interior offensive lineman named Austin Sir. And I apologize for butchering his name here. Surreveld? Surreveld, maybe? I don't know. Surveld? Uncultured swine. Yes, as always. He's 6'5", <laughs> He is a monster of a human being, and he is a big Ohio State lean right now. Number seventh, Will Smith. He is also Buckeye already. So it looks pretty good that we're going to get at least five of the top seven um, I think we both get Austin and Malik from Lakota West. Uh, one is goes to Middleton High School. The other one goes to Westchester High School. I think both of them are going to be Buckeyes. Um, after that, I don't know, guys. I, uh, this is one of the weaker years in high school football in Ohio State for national recruits. We only have uh, five guys in the top 200 nationally. That's it. 
So I, I think that's going to improve. I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried yet. But I do have a question. How, Reed Carrico, man, he failed us. How did he not bring his iron brother up here to? I don't know that. I don't know what Ohio State offered. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what Ohio yeah. State offered. Um, it sounds like to me, based off of what I'm what I'm getting, that Jim Knowles has a very specific linebacker he looks for, and Trevor Carter ain't it. Fair enough. So, Trevor Carter is kind of a, a Big Ten. He, he's a traditional Big Ten linebacker. You know, uh, yeah, tough Portland. I, I ain't gonna say it, but Aaron well, just did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mean, say I, it all day. I, I like the kid. He's gonna be a tackling machine in the Big Ten or it, it, for Cincinnati in the American Conference or Big Twelve when they go there. But mark it down. He's gonna get ran. They're gonna run all around him in the Big yeah. Twelve. Uh, so there's your recruiting news. We will have a huge recruiting podcast in the coming weeks. Um, we're just going to break it down for you guys on who Ohio State is in on in recruiting. Uh, but now let's have a little bit of fun, shall we? We do this every year, and I love doing this because I love to get the, the different thoughts from all of us, okay? So we are going to rank Ohio State's assistant coaches from least to most important. And I did not tell Chris or Aaron how to rank their lists or what they feel is important. I just kind of, in my list, I kind of looked at recruiting and what positions need the most help and things of that nature to make my list. But I didn't tell them how to make theirs. And it'd be very interesting to me to see how we differ on our lists here. So now that we know who the top, who all 10 assistants are going to be for Ohio State, Let's go ahead and start at number 10. We'll work our way back to the most important. Aaron, I will let you go first. Chris, you follow, and then I will uh, be the caboose here on number 10. Aaron, who you got? I said Tony Alford. And the reason for that is it's running backs. And, yes, positional players are important, okay? But later on when we get to the the top tier here – you know, going more towards number one, I will explain it better. But the running backs, you know, he's he's good for recruiting and bringing that talent in here. But as far as his function, it's not as important to me as, say, other position coaches. And that's that's where I'll leave it for right now. Chris, what'd you have? Well, Aaron, I hate to disagree with you. I went with Parker Fleming. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, I think for me, Alford's a little more important than that because. He is our run game coordinator now. Uh, it's, you know, it's not just running backs coach. He's run game coordinator. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Parker Fleming, I mean, we, we've got a solid solid kicking game already. Yeah, I mean, obviously special teams are important, but for me, he's the least important of the assistants. Eric? Wash and repeat, Chris. Parker Fleming. I Everything you said. I'll get to Tony Alford later. I have him much higher on my list. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Parker Fleming, special teams, 10. <laughs> Just, I mean, the the way the kicking game is, I don't know how much credit he really gets for that as far as, like, field goals are concerned. I guess, good job. Keep, you know, keep up the good work. But I'm at 10. Aaron with number nine. Go for it. Uh, I actually went with Parker Fleming at number nine. And the reason is, look at Urban Meyer, look at Jim Tressel, and look how much they've won. 
they placed a big emphasis on special teams because and you can even look at what happened with the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs. They didn't have their special teams together and it cost them. So to me, I, I do subscribe to that line of thinking. If your special teams is not together, it could cost you. So that's I and Parker Fleming's responsible for that. And I know Tony Alford is a run game coordinator, but that's not not as big of a deal as you think it is. I think it's more title than anything. It is. It, it has to do with analytics and throwing your input in, but he does not have a final say. So that's why I have special teams coaches a little bit higher than the running back coach slash run game coordinator. Okay. Uh, number nine for me, and Eric, I know we always disagree on this. We oh, we did last year. I'm sure we're going to again this year. Ke- Kevin Wilson just doesn't do it for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to disagree again. <laughs> I know because you love Kevin Wilson and what he provides in at, you know from the the eye in the sky and. I don't disagree with that, but I really feel like, for me, it is still Ryan Day's offense. So I, I, I went with uh, Kevin Wilson here. I actually went with Corey Dennis, and I'll tell you why. I don't know how much Corey Dennis actually has to do with the improvement of the quarterback position. I mean, I, I see that. Apparently, he's a decent recruiter, and I and I, and I think he's learning. But let's be honest, this, the quarterback position is all about Ryan Day, guys. So I guess he's a good friend for these kids when they first get to college, and he, he helps run drills and things for them. But like, if, if Corey Dennis was somehow removed from this coaching staff and we decided to get, go get a linebacker's coach or something, and Ryan Day's like, I got this, I, don't, I would not be shocked at all. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised one bit to find out that Ryan Day is basically the quarterback's coach and head coach and offensive coordinator. I mean, so same, same reasoning, just different guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Different, different room. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess, I guess you're right in that. Yeah. Number eight, Aaron. Uh, yeah. Number eight, I went with Corey Dennis too. And pretty much for the same reason, I feel like quarterback is really a Ryan Day thing. <laughs> More than anybody, I'm sure that Corey Dennis helps out tremendously in drills, perhaps. But as far as instilling the knowledge and the know-how and everything, I think that's more of a Ryan Day thing. So I went with uh, Corey Dennis at number eight. What'd you have, number Chris? Eight, number eight for me, Corey Dennis. I'm not going to repeat it. We've been through it. Dennis is my number eight. Eric? Here's where you guys might push back on me. Number eight for me is the new safeties coach, Perry Eliano. I I was least impressed with him out of all four new hires. And I think our safeties, uh, I think they're going to be much improved. And I don't think it's going to be necessarily because of him. I think it's the kind of defense Jim Knowles is going to run. I feel very confident in the safeties now, given what I've been learning about this defense. And the fact that he's going out and recruiting some some pretty good, looks like some pretty big name safeties down the road. We're going to be nailing, getting down, and coming to be Ohio State because let's face it, his his defense is so safety heavy that a lot of people are going to want to play for him. And it sounds like to me, 
from what I have gotten news wise is that the in- sorry my my cord got wrapped up here the injury to um oh what was what's his name guys help me out Proctor yes Josh Proctor thank you is he's good he's gonna make a full recovery so and he's he's actually doing really well right now so it sounds like to me he did not like he broke a bone he didn't like uh break it or didn't uh get an mcl or acl tear or you know injury it was a it was a broken bone and apparently it's already healed so that's good yeah so dude dude's ready for spring i would say so they said spring game he's gonna be ready to go i don't know that he'll play in the spring game I think he'll be I think he'll participate all spring and then they just won't let him play because why? Okay. What's the point? You know, right at that point, throw some of the younger guys in there. So there's that news that I think is really, really in, encouraging. Also, um, also encouraging. You got Ronnie Hickman obviously coming out. They say Court Williams is having himself one hell of an offseason. Thank goodness, because I am a big fan of that kid. They say I am hearing word that he is making strides in the weight room and on mat drills and things and is really impressing this defensive coaching staff. So if you throw you tell me that we're going to have a healthy Josh Proctor leading tackler, Ronnie Hickman, and a just a monster of a safety in Court Williams, who's going to take a giant leap this year. I'm I'm super excited. And then so, so I say all that to say this. I don't know how much Perry Eliano really has to do with that. So we'll see. He's kind of a big question mark for me on this coaching staff moving forward. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he becomes a stud recruiter and he's just awesome. But right now I have him at eight with kind of the Missouri uh, way of thinking here. Show me. Number seven, Aaron. Number seven for me, I said Tim Walton, the new cornerback coach. And the reason is I just – I feel like we're pretty solid. Things can be shored up, and I have confidence that he will do that. But in the grand scheme of things, I just don't feel like when you consider that we are ranking Jim Knowles, Justin Fry, LJ, Kevin Wilson, and some other guys, I don't think that he is more important than what they are. So uh, that's that's honestly that's my justification for having Tim Walton at number seven. How about you, Chris? Yeah, well, for me, it was I actually went with Perry Eliano here. Uh, a lot of what Eric said, I think he's inheriting a really quality room. Uh, and, and again, I think Noel's defense is going to have more to do with the improvement of the safeties this year than Eliano. Um, so that's why I went with him at seven. I actually um, I'm with Aaron on this. I got uh, Tim Walton at seven. Rinse and repeat everything I said for Perry Eliano. For same thing for Tim Walton. Kind of show me here, my, my man. But I will give him the nod because he also did it in the NFL. So that's why I went Walton over Perry Eliano at seven. Number six, Aaron. Uh, I went with Perry Eliano on uh, number six, and the reason is um, I I agree that he does have some decent players in the secondary, or uh, I'm sorry, in the safety room, but by the same token, perhaps not moving forward. Um, I mean, when Bryson Shaw is your backup plan, he's kind (laughs) of got his uh, work cut out for him. I mean, that, you know, and with that said, the safeties are probably – 
the second most important position on the field because they are the last line of defense. If we run into a situation where a team is just, you know, housing us from deep and, and they're throwing deep balls and those safeties can't get there, that's a problem. That is a major, yeah. major problem. And Aliano is tasked with fixing that and making sure that that does not happen. So that's why I put him at number six. How about you, Chris? I've got Tim Walton in at number six. Uh, you know, you know, and and as Eric mentioned, a big part of the nod is the fact that he had some NFL experience. I think he's going to relate really well to these kids. Uh, and having been an Ohio State guy, I think he's going to have a better understanding of the program. And that, for me, gives him the edge over Eliano. So that's why I went with him. Number six for me is the offensive line coach, Justin Fry. Um, I think not only is it important to get this offensive line moving in the right direction in the running department while continuing to do a great job in pass pro, but the dude has impressed me in his, in his uh, initial press conference. I thought it was great. You guys weren't nearly as impressed in, with him as I was, but um, you know, to each his own, we all have our own flavor of coach, I guess. But uh to go in and seal the deal with Luke Montgomery like he did, you know, a plus first your first test you aced it, man. So I I think he's very important and I and I put him as the most important on the bottom half of the staff here. Also, if you noticed, I put guys with the least amount of experience and and that as far as Ohio being at Ohio State on on that list and Justin Fry I just felt was kind of. Where he's at was maybe just a little bit more important than those other guys. Number five for you, Aaron. Number five for me is Brian Hartline. And that and it may seem like, hey, he's done really <laughs> well. Why did you put him halfway through? Well, it's because I ranked it in, according to what I know as important. And he is a fantastic recruiter. He absolutely kills it on the recruiting trail. He is a heck of a coach not taking anything away from him. And number five is not a bad ranking when you consider what I'm going to say moving forward. But uh, Brian Hartline, I have at number five as important because he is a wide receivers coach. He is a passing game coordinator, I believe now. Um, and that has a huge part to play in the offense and how we do things. Cause if you haven't noticed guys, we like to throw the ball a lot more than we ever used to. So um, that's why I placed him at number five and Tony Alford much later in the list. Um, just because I think Hartline is a better recruiter. He has done the job on multiple fronts. Um, and I just, I like him as, as a coach, he's done a very good job and he works very closely now with Ryan day and Kevin Wilson. And that all I will explain more in depth. I know you've heard me say that, but I will. It'll make sense. I promise. Chris, who'd you have at number five? This is where I had Tony Alford. Uh, you know, I think he's he's tasked with getting that run game to where it should be, given the caliber of guys we got in there. Um, I think this is going to be a big year for him to, to come out and show something, especially after being named uh, the running game coordinator. Like you said, it may be a in title alone, but it is a title. And I think he's got a lot to prove this year coming off of what I think we should have had as a better year last year. Uh, so I went with Alford here, Eric. I agree. I had Tony Alford and I'll tell you, this is the first time for me. He's in my top five as an assistant coach. 
Um, I, I was really low on him a couple years ago. If you remember guys, like remember when he lost out on, um, Robinson, the running back for Texas. Yeah. And I, I mean, and then, and then nightly, which I think went to Miami, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there in Florida, I, I, I dogged him. And then he came right back and nailed Henderson and prior the next seasons, two of the top guys in the, in that class. So I, I had to basically eat crow on him, but now I see not only is he a heck of a recruiter, I think you're going to see a huge year from Travion Henderson guys. I, I would not be shocked if Ohio state comes out and says, we're going to be much, much more even when it comes to passing and rushing attempts. And if that's the case, look out because I think Travion Henderson, he might be the second Buckeye to go for, for two bills here on a season. So we're talking JK Dobbins type of numbers as a sophomore. And if he does that, I think he might be actually the one that might win the Heisman over CJ, at least get to New York. So I'm going to go a little higher than you guys, uh, than I did it previously guys with Tony Alford. I think he's a very good, important coach. And I'll tell you this much too, as far as a, an African-American coach in that locker room, when Larry Johnson steps down, it'll be Tony Alfords who gets that that kind of uh, title, if you will, as being uh, the the fatherly father figure for some of our players uh, who come from different backgrounds, if you understand what I mean. So that, I think, is important. So I'll go ahead and say he's top five. Number four for you, Aaron. We're getting down to some nitty-gritty here. Yep. Yep. Uh, number four for me is Kevin Wilson. And it's simply because he is the offensive coordinator. He is tasked with putting a plan together uh, in conjunction, working closely with Ryan Day. He gets his information, his input from Tony Alford and Brian Hartline uh, and Justin Fry, and he puts that together and formulates a plan. And Ryan Day will stamp his approval on it. Um, and he's been very creative. He's been a good recruiter as well. He has pulled some guys in here. Uh, and there's a reason we plucked him from Indiana. He was a head coach in Indiana, for those of you that may have forgotten. And he gave us fits. Uh, even with uh, Zeke and, and, and that team that we all thought was just incredible, and they were, uh, Kevin Wilson gave us a run for our money. There's a reason he's on this staff, and there's a reason that he is the offensive coordinator. Uh, that's why I've got him at number four. Chris. Uh, for me, I went Justin Fry at number four. I think that the offensive line, obviously, is is, is what drives our offense. Uh, I think he's got a lot to come in and prove there. But, you know, we have a lot of talented guys up front. And we got to keep, obviously, if we want to have any kind of a season, we got to keep Stroud upright. And we got to open holes. And this is a guy responsible for making sure that gets done. So I went with uh, Fry at number four. Number four. All right. Get ready. Kevin Wilson. Here's my here's my argument with you, Chris. Here we go. <laughs> we do this every year. I, I hope think, it's something new this time, Eric. <laughs> I think Kevin Wilson has his fingerprints on this offense much more than any of us realize. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree. This is Ryan Day's what Ryan Day wants to run. But I'm telling you. You go back and watch the Oklahoma offense when he was the offensive coordinator for the Sooners when they were the they were the best. This offense looks very similar to that. 
And I'll tell you the other thing that Kevin Wilson does not get a lot of credit for that we think it's all Ryan Day. I think Kevin Wilson, in conjunction with Ryan Day, know how to set up a defense by by their play calling. We're going to show you this formation. We're going to show you this play. And guess what? We're going to run something that you're not expecting off of that. And then they build off of it as the season goes. I think that actually might be more Kevin Wilson than Ryan Day. Yeah, that's and that's what I mean by creativity. He sees these things and he sets it up perfectly almost. There's a reason why Ryan Day does not want this guy leaving. Just telling you. I think oh, I think Buckeye Nation thinks a lot like Chris, and I, I'm not going to fault you for that, Chris. It's all right. You disagree with me, and I could be – at the end of the day, I could be completely wrong, and I will admit that if that's the case, but – I just feel like Kevin Wilson might be behind the scenes doing, you know, pulling, pushing the buttons and pulling the cords and doing a lot more than what we realize. He's not just a tight ends coach, guys. And here's the other thing, too. I found out this past year when Coach Stud was basically on his back and couldn't couldn't coach or was hurting. Kevin Wilson was 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 taking that over for the team. So to be to to not only be the OC and, and game planning and helping being the eyes in the sky for, for Ryan Day, he was also doubling over as a position coach. So give the guy some credit, man. Number what are we on? Three? Yep. Number three. Uh, I had Jim Knowles. And it's for the same reasons on defense. He is tasked that I that I said for Kevin Wilson. On offense, he is tasked with putting this plan together with information from Den- or, uh, from Walton, from Aliano, and he's going to put a plan together, and and from LJ for that matter. And he has to put this plan together. And I, you know, his his uh, his interview on media day was was I thought was really good. Um, I know uh, Eric and Chris agreed with that. Um, I liked the things that he had to say. You know, he wants to set this offense up and make them react to what he's doing on defense. He wants to attack, and that's something we've been missing. And the fact that he wants to coordinate and he wants to take uh, the most, basically, the quarterback position of the defense in the linebacker room, he wants to take that on, and he's looking for a specific type of player to do that. I like that. I think that it's very important that he gets what he needs. Um, and, and him coming in here and doing what he's doing is I, I can't even I can't place a value on it because, quite frankly, this defense has been a mess and he's I, I have full confidence he's going to fix it. He's done. He did a really good job at Oklahoma State uh, and he's getting some guys in here and he went out and we got a whole new coaching staff minus LJ. So for him, he's putting this thing together. He's putting the plans together with input from his assistants. I think that defense wins championships. I'm a little bit old school on that end of things. And I think that uh, he is the man. He is the head coach of the defense. And I think that places him at number three for me. How about you, Chris? Uh, For me, you know, I love me some defense too, Eric or Aaron. And for me, I went LJ here. Uh, You know, tremendous history developing that defensive line uh i think obviously the defensive line generating pressure is going to create opportunities and ease up the burden on the the defensive backs and the linebackers 
So, you know, he's also the assistant head coach. So, you know, clearly, and, and again, I mention it all the time, the only undefeated head coach in Ohio State history. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I think he has a very important place. That's why I've got him in at number three. Number three for me, the living legend, Larry Johnson. We are witnessing the twilight of his career. I would not be surprised if this is the last season, especially if we win. I think he'd love to go out on top. I am crossing my fingers that we see a huge, huge offseason and going into 2023 of a type of first-round draft pick type of defensive end that we haven't had in a couple years from somebody. I don't care if it's uh, I don't care if it's JTT. I don't care if it's Zach Harrison. I don't. It's know, not. I, whoever. I just. <laughs> I just want to see Larry give me one more. You know, I think that would be cool. Number three for me, Larry Johnson. This is, like I said, the twilight. It's kind of his his uh, retirement cruise here. So let's uh, let's hope he gives us one more good show. Aaron, number two. Number two for me, Justin Fry. And the reason for that is every play starts and ends with the line. We can't keep uh, C.J. Stroud up. Guess what? That's a problem. If we can't run the ball well, guess what? That's a problem. If we can't keep C.J. Stroud protected long enough to throw a pass, that's a problem. Every single play starts and stops with the O-line. That makes this man the second most important person on this list because if he does not make better adjustments, so I know he said he didn't come here to change things up, And that's why I said if he does not make better adjustments, not change things, but adjust and improve, if he does not do that, you're going to see a lot of, not that it was bad, okay, but slight improvements to make things even better. If we don't have that, we don't win. We don't have the offense that we have. That's why I got Justin Fry at number two. Who you got at number two, Chris? Number two, I went Jim Knowles. And heavy is the head that wears the crown. This guy's got a lot of pressure on him this year to take a very, very talented group and make it into something that we've expected to see the last few years. I think that, you know, I think he's got the right mentality. He's got the swagger. He has just, I think, a great attitude coming in that he is going to instill in these guys. He is the guy who's got to take all those pieces that you talked about, Aaron, and he's got to put them all together. I think Jim Knowles, number two on the list for me. I'm with you, Chris. I had Jim Knowles, number two. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like the guy. I like his defensive s- schemes, and I, it's, it's, I'm expecting a, a, a huge improvement from this defense. I'm hoping we can say the Silver Bullets are back. I mean, we – We've been asking ourselves that for years. Uh, last time we, we even had a taste of it was in 2019. Uh, but even then, there were still holes in that defense that we can look at. But it, it was much more improved than what they were in 2018. They were god-awful in 2018. 2020, we just kind of threw, threw that out because of COVID. 2021 was just a disaster. So we, when, it, when is the last time we could consistently say our defense wins, our, wins us games? The last half of the season on 2019. But even yeah, then, I wouldn't but, say consistent. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So and I, all, I, I mean, I'm being dead serious. When's the last time we could say that? Maybe the last time we won a national title. The Trestle years? I would go back Trestle, honestly. 
I mean, yeah, the, uh, the, the defense was it, the okay. So the 2014 defense was really good. They were surprisingly good. It's not kind of what we expected. I, I don't know that we really knew how good they were, you know, going into that season. But I, that that offense, man, with Zeke and them, that with the run we went on offensively at the end of the year, that was impressive. So that's that's true. And it's not like we blew Alabama out of the water. It was a seven point win. Yeah, I mean, they still gave up 30 some points, didn't they? Thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. So and they gave up 20 in the national championship. We were pretty good against Oregon. Oregon was supposed to blow us out of the water and they only scored 20. So garbage. I I would say it'd be trestle years. Yeah, I can go with that. Anyways, that that's as a fan base. That's our expectation. So. Good luck, Jim. That's why you're number two. You're also the highest paid assistant coach in the history of Ohio State. So wear those uh, pants proudly, I guess. Number one for you, Aaron. This is going to be interesting. Number one for me is LJ. And it's because of the same reasons I said Justin Fry's number two. However, like I said, I believe defense wins championships. Why do you think we got housed by Alabama in the national title game? No defense. Uh, so with that said, nothing that Jim Knowles or Perry Eliano or Tim Walton or anybody else for that matter, none of that matters if the D line can't do their job. None of it. If running backs are getting to the secondary or the second level and beyond, that's a problem. If the secondary is leading the team in tackles like they did a few years ago. Not a good look, guys. Not a good look at all. Everything starts and stops again with the line. So if we can't get some uh, get some pressure on the quarterback, they're going to throw all over us. If we can't, you know, it's just the same story. I don't really feel like repeating myself, but it's the same stuff. If you can't, if you don't have good line play, none of the rest of it matters. Justin Fry doesn't matter what the play call is. You can have a perfect game plan set up, but if your line is garbage, none of it's going to work. That's why I have the two line coaches at number two and number one, respectively. Chris, who'd you have at number one? Well, I can't disagree with what you're saying there as far as the line driving the games, Eric. But for me, number one, Brian Hartline. I think this guy has not only future offensive coordinator, but future head coach written all over him. Tremendous recruiter. All he does is get the top recruits and turn them into first day draft picks. You know, I think he has done a tremendous job since taking the job at Ohio State. He's, uh, you know, an Ohio State guy. And I I just, I see him being there a long time. And for, for me, I think he is specifically from a recruiting standpoint. But as I said, the proof is in the pudding and what he does with them when he gets them there too. I think he is by far our top assistant right now. Most important. I'm with you, Chris. I think he's number one. I don't even think it's close. Look at what he's done on the recruiting trail. Look at what he has done in developing these guys. This draft this year is going to have two guys in the first round. Next year, JSN will be probably a top 10, if not a top five pick, if he if he continues to do what we saw in the Rose Bowl. The year after that, we might see two more go in the first round. Uh, I just I feel like he is producing year after year the best talent on the team now. And I'm with you. I think he's a future offensive coordinator. 
we were talking about Kevin Wilson and how important he is. If Kevin Wilson were to walk away from this program for whatever reason, Brian Hartline's the guy. He's the one who's going to get that position. Um, and here's the great, here's the best thing about it, guys. He's a former Buckeye who bleeds scarlet and gray. Look at look at every guy on this coaching staff. He's the only one who played for Ohio State. Uh, take that back. Tim Walton played. Tim Excuse Walton me. did. Tim Walton. So, but before Tim Walt before before Tim Walton this year, Brian Hartline was the only one. So I'm going to go with Brian Hartline number one for me. You know what we should probably do? We should probably throw this a list up to everybody on a on our Facebook page and let them vote and let the chaos assume with what the comments would be <laughs> because this is very interesting. Aaron, I get completely where you're going at with the offensive lines. Yeah. Again, that's why we did this exercise because each of us have a little bit of a different um, definition on what would be important to us as fans of, of these assistant coaches. Aaron's looking at it more of probably like a schematic coach would, you know, I look at it more as recruiting and tradition myself. Um, so it, it just, it just depends on what you're looking for. So that is that. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I got a quick little interview with the champion from the inaugural OHIO podcast, fantasy football league. Sammy post is going to join us to talk about his fandom with Ohio state. And of course, how he spent all those millions that he won in the fantasy football league, Chris and Aaron. So we'll Ouch. see, see, see what he did there. So <laughs> hang tight, everybody. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And now I'm joined by one of our listeners, Sammy Poston. Sammy, how are you doing today, buddy? Very good. How are you? I am great. Uh, so why don't we start by uh, introducing you and a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and kind of what you're into so our listeners can get to know a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I am from Salt Lake City, Utah, and pretty much been an Ohio State fan since the day I was born, pretty much, and Get, get very passionate and usually lose my voice about three to five times a year watching the football games. And if I can, I will try to go to at least an Ohio State game eventually. I'm actually going out to Michigan game this fall. Awesome. So you're going to be one of those lucky ones to go to the uh, the game. So we're looking forward. Yep. Maybe we can uh, meet one another. That'd be great. So are you originally from Ohio or, or where are you originally from, Sammy? So my I'm originally from California. My mom and dad are from Ohio originally. I was born and raised, but my whole family back like years are from Ohio. I'm only one not born in Ohio. Okay, gotcha. So how? So was it just like born and bred in you? You were raised to watch them, and that's kind of how you became a Buckeye fan. I also know you're a big Browns fan too. So is that mm-hmm. kind of how it happened? Pretty much, yeah. It's like being from Ohio, my whole family's there. I always like the Ohio teams, and my mom and dad met and graduated from Ohio State. So Ohio State was just it was just embedded into me from the day i was born 
Gotcha. Gotcha. So the parents are alumni. That makes sense. Gotcha. All right. So first off, I got to say congratulations, man. You were our inaugural fantasy football league champion this year for the OHIO podcast. And uh, your uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, we, we, we all took NFL team names. Your Cleveland Browns did something that the the Cleveland Browns in up in uh, Northeast Ohio have never done. Yeah. You won the championship, man. Congratulations. Thank you. How'd you spend your millions? <laughs> um, I pretty much I put it in my savings. I use a little bit on buying some ski gear. Yeah. Yeah, you're into skiing, aren't you? I've seen some pictures of you there mm-hmm. on Facebook. You're into skiing. That's Yeah. So you are you are you watching the Winter Olympics at all, man? A little bit, not not much. I mostly just like being outside and skiing versus just watching on TV. Yeah, I got you. Okay, that makes sense, man. So, all right. So, um, tell me a little bit about some of your best Buckeye memories. I know you're a little bit younger than myself, mm. so your memories are probably a little bit more recent than some of our other listeners might be able to share. But I'm I'm always intrigued to find out what some of your top uh, Buckeye memories are when I talk to fans. I would say one of my top ones is the 85 yards to the heart of the South. Yeah. That was one of the best ones. And then just the O2 championship. I was like three years old. I remember that just like the double overtime and just that call that Miami still complains about. That was a great memory. <laughs> then of course the most recent championship of 2014. And then of course the Rose Bowl, just JSN was just like on fire. Right. So that that's intriguing to me. So that's got to be like one of your earliest memories in life then is the O2 Natty then, huh? Mm-hmm. I think I was three or four years old. And I remember once I was and then that kind of went away because I wasn't into it like, as much as then. I didn't understand it. But then heard my mom and dad screaming. So I knew it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, I would say for, for me, I never had anything when I was that young to really grasp onto. Uh, until I was uh, basically a, uh, a preteen okay. and the uh, 96 Rose Bowl team, that was the first time where uh, as a youngster, as a youth, I was like, oh, this is this is legit. That's how I, how they hooked me, man, was was that yeah. one. But, yeah, very, very familiar or at least uh, kind of a, a similar um, bringing to or baptism by fire, if you will, of becoming a Buckeye fan and that they, they do something great. So who are some of your favorite Buckeyes? Also, my favorite Buckeyes, I would say Braxton Miller is up there, Justin Fields, Haskins, Zeke, and now CJ Stroud in, in JSN. Gotcha. All right. So uh, are there any uh, are you kind of flying solo out there or, or as far as being a Buckeye or if you, you made any contacts in Salt Lake with uh, any other Buckeye fans? And I made a few. And there's also a sports bar that has an Ohio State watch party. I'm going to try to go to some games and watch there. Awesome. This season. Now, were you I think did were you living in California maybe before you moved to Salt Lake, yeah. if I'm not mistaken? I OK, was, I lived there for 23 years and just moved here about nine months ago. Okay, gotcha. All right, that, that makes sense. I thought so. I was trying to find some clarification because I thought you were out like the, like I said, West Coast there, and and so did you. Did you have any good Buckeye fans when you were out there, or was are you finding that there's more in Salt Lake than there were out in Cali? I feel like there's more because also here in Salt Lake, like college football is a lot bigger. Whereas California, like the college football wasn't as big as NFL, so here mm-hmm. college bigger. So I feel like, like I see like a lot more Buckeye fans when I'm driving around and out here than in California. 
Gotcha. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about what your expectations are for this upcoming season, man. You mentioned CJ Stroud and, and Jackson Smith and the Jigba or JSN, as you called them, um, as two of your favorite players. What, what are your expectations for this team for 2022? One of my expectations is to be back as the Kings of the Big Ten again. And to definitely, I think this is the year we definitely go 15-0. And I feel like Stroud is going to win the Heisman, I think. Oh, really? You're throwing that out there. Stroud's going to win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. I like it. So He definitely has a, a legitimate shot, I think, going into the season. I feel like he's got – I mean, he's definitely one of a, a handful of guys who are going to have that preseason hype uh, mm-hmm. about him. Are you a little concerned that that might, you know, be more than he can handle as far as, like, expectations? Or do you think, Jay – that Stroud's gone kind of has the head on his shoulder. He'll be able to handle things like that. I feel like maybe a little bit, but also I feel like after we had disrespected and last year's Heisman voting, I think he wants to prove that he is, that he's better than that. So I feel like it's just going to be like really focused on making this a great, great season. Gotcha. Now, well, how do you feel about the defensive changes, man? I mean, obviously that was kind of a weakness of our 2021 mm-hmm. season and team. Are you excited about Jim Knowles being the new DC and some of the changes he's going to bring schematically to this team? I'm definitely excited. I definitely feel like this defense is going to be better because it has the potential to be a phenomenal defense. I'm definitely excited to see what Jim Knowles brings and hopefully it's enough to make this defense to where it should be. Gotcha. All right, man. I'm excited about that, too. One last question for you, Sammy. Again, I congratulate you on on winning the OHIO podcast fantasy football league. But don't get comfortable because next year is going to be my year, man, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I got to know. This is something we've been doing with all of our people when we when we interview them. And I want to give you this opportunity as well. What does it mean to you to be a Buckeye? To me, it means it's one of like the greatest things ever. It's like it's like a second family because especially like I'm walking around with my house that stuff. You hear to hear that OH in the IO back. You just know it's just it's like a second family you have, and it's this a bonding. It's like a brotherhood of football, but it's our own brotherhood as fans. So just it's one of the greatest feelings ever. That's awesome. Yeah, I was uh, recently actually just this past week on vacation. I went to Florida for work and took a, a like extra four days to go over to Clearwater, Florida. And I can't tell you how many times when I was wearing Ohio State stuff, someone would yell out OH mm-hmm. and make me say IO or vice versa. It's just yeah. it's one of those things that's a you're right. It is a brotherhood. It's a camaraderie among strangers that all of a sudden you have that commonality and you're no longer strangers um, I guess the word family, like you said, is the best way to describe that. That's a, that's really awesome. Yeah. All right, Sam, anything else you want to talk about here before we head on out, man? I really appreciate you joining me for a few minutes and, and getting on here and doing this. I, I Again, I really appreciate all the activity that you help with on our social media sites. Uh, one of the things that you do is you always ask questions for us for our Sunday shows. That helps Aaron, myself, and Chris out immensely to know what – what you all as fans are thinking. So I wanted to thank you for that, but anything you would like to ask me uh, as the host of the OHIO podcast, you'd like to know? Um, not really. I mean, just, I love the podcast and it's pretty much one of my favorite places to get Ohio state news. And just, I love enjoying like listening to you guys talk. Usually I listen to you because my job, I'm a field service technician. So I'm driving around my van. I always have the podcast on just, I just love the podcast. What, do you have any favorite shows that you remember or anything about the podcast that you enjoy the most? Um, what I really like usually is like, like all the game breakdowns of like before each week. I love those, and and then the and then like the after game breakdowns. I love those, and just 
just the information, just the way you guys run the podcast. I really appreciate. I really appreciate it. And like it. Oh, well, thank you. We we appreciate you saying. It. I think if I'm not mistaken, you were one of the first ones back when we first started a long time ago. I think you've been listening for quite a few years, haven't you? Yeah, I think like two years maybe or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you you jumped on pretty early because I, I feel like when we sent the, sent the uh, message out on Facebook for questions, you were one of the first people to jump on that. So uh, I know you've been around for a while. So I, I my hat off to you and appreciate all that you do there So uh, to help the podcast move forward, man. So all right, man. This has been a, it's been a lot of fun. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I owe. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, Hyo's praise and songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill. And joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, yo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.